Hey y'all, one more Phoenix Comic Con special podcast for you. This is with McLean Nelson, writer, director, and star of Dudes and Dragons. I'm going to keep this rather short because I'm in kind of a loud, crowded hallway. Enjoy. In the basement rolling dice, I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind. A lot of my film ideas actually come when I'm on the road. Like, I'll even turn the radio off completely and just kind of let my mind wander. Yeah. And it's just, it's like no one's really bugging you. You're not allowed to text, so you don't check your texts. Text. Yeah. Or, you know, and... Um, One of my favorite things is just, I put my phone on airplane mode. Yeah. And totally. it's just it's just me and on the road. Yeah. But speaking of your film ideas, we're here at Phoenix Comic Con to talk about your... New movie, written, directed, starred in. Yes, I do uh, have to give a shout out for. Uh, I, it is co-written, co-directed uh, by Steve Shimmick and I. Um, I do star in it and I did produce it as well. A couple other great producers, but yes, I I always have to give the proper <laughs> oh, shout absolutely. out to my man Steve. Um, <laughs> and it's it's right up our alley. You know, it's called Dudes and Dragons. And you're Dumbbells and And we're dragons. Dumbbells and Dragons. <laughs> we should just, like, merge. It, dudes, Dumbbells, and Dragons. I like there it. We go. I like it. <laughs> no, um, tell us about the movie. So this movie has been, like, a labor of love. It's been in the, the works for for a while because, um, as far as I know, we are the first independent feature film, fantasy film, to shoot all on a green screen soundstage. Okay. And like all the effects, all the backgrounds you see in the movie are 100% like CGI. So it's really was a huge undertaking. We shot it in a warehouse in the middle of winter. And um, we maybe bit off a little more than we could chew <laughs> because uh, we didn't realize how hard some of the stuff was would be. And we, we overestimated certain things, but in the end, the product was good, and we believed in like what what we what we shot. So we just really kind of churned it out, and we went to Kickstarter to finally finish our finish the movie. But it's done now. It's and uh, we're really really happy with it. We uh, and it just won an award. Yeah, we won best film at last Dragon Con. Um, we won at uh, Chicago Comedy Festival. And now we're basically getting invited by a bunch of these different Comic-Cons to just come screen. That's why we're here in Phoenix, because they said, hey, James is going to be here. We love the movie. Do you guys want right. to come? Yeah. yeah, so it's Saturday night. This Saturday night at 8.30, uh, we're screening the film at the at Phoenix Comic-Con. So that's, that's pretty And I'm super, pretty I'm looking forward to the movie. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, what's it about? It's about, basically there's, uh, I'll kind of explain it from James Marster's character. He's the, he's the villain. He kind of sets up the problem in the movie. The problem in the movie is he was he is in love with a girl that doesn't love him back. So rather age than just story. age old story, <laughs> so he does as most people would do. He start he uses his magic powers to to train a dragon to basically kill, scour the land, and kill, murder, burn anyone <laughs> who shows any outward signs of love. So in this kingdom, if you're show, if you're hugging any PDA during the day, you're torched. You're screwed. The, the dragon will find you. Um, 
<laughs> that's, that's kind of the premise. Obviously, and, you can and, see and, it's kind of we I don't mean, take ourselves too seriously. It's not a spoof, but it's like definitely kind of more the tone of Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. And when I was in high school and I had some unrequited love, I know that I trained my dragon always, to go burn people. Always. My character then, I'm in love with an elf princess. But of course, you can't mix elf and human. It's it's illegal. Oh. Uh, and and so I have to basically. My, I go to my father to get permission. He says, nope, our, our birthright will be forfeit if you marry. And, and uh, because I have an older brother that's basically a loser, a wash. He's a, he, he's not a loser, but he's never going to get married. He's like okay. the constant bachelor. He's a bounty hunter. He has no interest in me. He has an orc for a roommate. It's, it's the taming of the shrew. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so basically, I have, to, I have to marry him off first. Before I can get married. married. He's not interested in anyone. But So this is the problem. I I confront him. He says no. And then we get a little messenger from the princess who's being held captive by James Marshall's character. And she sends a little message kind of like with an homage to the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, like the the Leia message. Basically saying, I need someone to save me. Um, and if you save me, I will devote to you my heart and I'll give you my lands and all that. And so it's basically, she's beautiful. It's played by Caitlin Doubleday, actually. She, you may have seen, if you watch the Fox show Empire, she's oh, like, yeah. she's the, actually the only white girl on Empire. <laughs> the blonde, you know, she's always causing trouble. No, you didn't, you know. Um, and uh, she's also was on in Catch Me If You Can. She was in Hung. Um, oh, I loved Hong. Yeah. She, Hong was a good show. Yeah. So she's great in it. And, and so Adam, obviously, she's hot. So his character's like, yeah, let's go save her. Wouldn't hurt to get the bounty of all the... All, all the lands. The and... lands and everything. So two estranged brothers basically teaming up to rescue uh, rescue this maiden and have to deal with a dragon uh, that is trained to murder everyone. So <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the <laughs> that's premise. That's the plot. I love it. And it's like, in this conversation, it's got the love, it's got villainy, it's got a little bit of Shakespeare with the taming of the shrew. Yeah, yeah. Um, It sounds great. I I wish I had seen it before so I could ask you about specific scenes, but no spoilers for anybody out there, you know? Um, And it's unrated. It's unrated, but I would say it's a PG-13. I'd say it's a soft PG-13, honestly, just because, I mean, it's not... It's a fantasy movie. It's a fantasy movie, yeah. and we wanted we wanted it to be kind of like for family viewing. Yeah. You know, all ages. Here's the deal. The one thing I've I, I really try to target. I, I mean, Princess Bride for me was like the quintessential movie. Willow, Princess Bride. Those movies, I watched them over and over, and they have humor, but they don't take themselves too seriously. I wanted this to be an homage to those movies that I used to watch that I grew up on. So, I mean, I wanted to be something my nieces and nephews could watch and like and I think that's most important. It's like so so often in today's day and age we're separate. We're not together. Yeah. We're texting, we're, you know, Instagramming, we're Facebooking, but you wanted to create a movie that you could watch together with people. Totally. You wouldn't alienate anybody. Exactly. It just kind of like something all ages would enjoy. You could throw on um I come from a big family, so like we could, it was always hard to, to uh, figure out um, who who we could uh, 
what movie we could watch together. Movie night was always tough because, like, what movie can you watch to... to There's, like, seven kids in my family. Oh, wow. Uh, 19 years apart. So, like, what movie can you watch that everybody likes? So, I, I guess... I don't know if that totally influenced me when I was writing it, but I, it, it definitely, like... It made me think of, like, let's do something that, like, kind of everybody can watch. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're old or young, you're going to enjoy it. So, And this is your third movie. This is my third movie that I've, like, written and directed. I've, I've produced about 15 movies total. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I have a... Uh, I started a company with a couple of friends of mine from college called Aerostorm Entertainment. And it's a... Basically, we only do genre movies... And we've our claim to fame is we've made more orc movies than Peter Jackson. <laughs> and by orc movie, just a movie with an orc in it. <laughs> I once played a park ranger with my friend Adam Johnson in a movie called Orcs, Orcs, Orcs. We're park <laughs> rangers in in modern day, and our park is being overrun by orcs. orcs that come through this crazy portal. <laughs> so anyway, it, uh, we have a lot of fun with the movies we did. I did a. I did a vampire comedy. The, the, the first thing I directed was called Vamp You. It's got Gary Cole from Office Space. You know, he played Lumberg and he's in Veep and yeah. he's amazing. So it also has um, Julie Gonzalo, who was in Dallas and she was in like Dodgeball. She's a great actor. Christmas with the Cranks, he was in that. If you that. <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, but Vamp You's fun. It's about a vampire who, who can't grow his teeth. He's. He's he's vampire impotent because he killed the love of his life. So that was fun. And then I just actually re- released a movie called Once I Was a Beehive, which is about like a totally different, not genre at all. It's coming of age movie oh, yeah? about a young girl who loses her dad to cancer and then has to go to this uh, Christian Bible camp. You know, like he's kind of forced to go with her step cousin. Okay, um, and she's not stoked about it. But and it's a, it's a comedy drama coming of age like girl movie. So, but it's a girl movie that guys like. I'm, there you I'm, go. You know, so. it sounds like you're just hitting the wheelhouse almost everywhere. There's something for everybody, which yeah. I think is a common theme. I think part of it too is just as an independent filmmaker, you can't be too picky. You kind of have to like if you see a if you see something out there. If you see a hole in the market, you know, if you see a place, something to be filled, and you can write that script, you know, we have foreign sales agencies that come to us all the time and say, hey, um, can you make a movie about a dog? And a, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, then we'll say, okay, well, we'll think about it. And if a story comes to mind or if we, you know, if we think yeah. we can do it, we'll do it, you know? There so, you go. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like... I, the type of filmmakers I really love, like Danny Boyle. Like, if you look at Danny Boyle, yeah. he does everything. He did Slumdog Millionaire, which is, like, super feel-good kind of, like, you know, movie. Uplifting. Uplifting yeah. movie. And then he also did 28 Days Later, which is, like, the scariest, most amazing, and um, it, yeah, you know, zombie us, movie. Yeah, introduced us to the rage zombie. Exactly. And he also did, like... What's that one called? Millions, where it's like a kind of a little kid family oh, movie. Oh yeah. So the guy, and then 127 hours. He he moves around in different genres, and he's just he's great. And um, so I I I don't really want to be pigeonholed as the guy who only does like fantasy or only does only sci-fi, does, sci- only does yeah, yeah exactly only does 
genre, some you know, I, I kinda wanna just whatever story speaks to you. Speaks to me. Yeah. Actually I my wife and I just wrote a script together. It's about um, about a girl who lives in a polygamous cult and is told she has to marry her six year old uncle and be his fifth wife and um, it's based on a novel. We both read the novel and we're like, Man, this is intense. Yeah. And this should be a movie so we got the we got talked the- to the author, got the rights and so you know that's that's one that's in the works and wow, but I'm also working on comedies at the same. You know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. just like it's kind of like. Well, it seems like it's it seems like you're doing wherever your passion is taking you. If something speaks to you, then you can devote your time and energy to that. And honestly, I think that's a lot more relatable than someone who's always going for the cash grab. Yeah, you I know, I agree, and it's also like. I mean, it makes more sense to me because, I don't know, most people like all different kinds of movies. Yeah. Like, I bet horror directors, people that are always directing horror, it's not like they only watch horror movies. Yeah. They're watching, and I watch all kinds of movies and I enjoy all kinds, so I'm like, why would I just try to only do one, one certain type kind? Sort of thing. So, yeah. And I'm not going to be picky. Like, I have a, um, I just got hired to write a script about, um, a producer uh, saw a couple of my movies, and he says, "You know, I always want to shoot this movie about a this a haunting that happens in a uh, this summer home." Yeah, and um, and I went out and I visited the summer home. It's a really amazing place in Long Island, and uh, anyhow, it's uh, we talked about it, and this one's going to be totally different. It's going to be like a supernatural thriller. Oh, very cool. You know, but um kind of with young teen boys as the as the protagonists and that's different from anything yeah. I've done too so it's like when I got hired to do that I'm like yes let's do it you know and so I'm, I'm kind of delving into that right now as well so excellent yeah it's kind of like got to move around and, yeah. and find the project so you said earlier I just want to I want to transition back a little bit to dudes and dragons which I can't stop saying that title enough <laughs> dudes and dragons thank you um, you said it was all green screen. Yeah. So what sort of challenges did that, and opportunities, did that present as opposed to uh, standard sets? Okay, yeah. Um, so I'll talk about the opportunities, what was nice about it. The nice thing about it was it really felt like we were shooting in a Hollywood studio. Like, yeah. Well, we just, we went to work every day at the same, it was the middle of winter, but it wasn't cold because we were on our soundstage. And we didn't have any company moves. You know, anybody who's ever worked on an independent film, a lot of times you, you have to switch location. That's a lot of work. You know, you're going from one place to the next, pick, packing up, setting up, and tearing down every day. It's like camping, you know. You have yeah. to tear, set up your camp and tear it down. But with this, we could leave lights up. We could leave things up. We, you know, we just come every day to the same place. And it felt like a stage, you know, that we just knew and we were comfortable with and you know we kind of could use our imagination you know we didn't have to have everything in the background because we we knew we could put certain things in later now the problem was is that we didn't have the background and we knew we could put things in later because <laughs> what was hard you know it just certain things you know there's a reason why movies like that shoot all green screen say like 300 or um ton of movies yeah uh, that 
any of Zack Snyder's movies like shoot are all on green screen. Yeah, a lot of the first Star Wars, well, the episode like episode one, two, two and three, three, yeah, were predominantly green screen. Yeah, so like there was a reason why those movies cost. 100 200 million dollars because they to get them done and turn around fast they have to have thousands of vfx people working on them where we had like five people working at a time (laughs) you know at a certain point we ended up going with a company out of india uh to help us out and they had more people working but at the same time it was still like it took. It just takes more time yeah. because you don't have the money to pay. You know, our our budget was was maybe you know one percent of those big of blockbusters. Those, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so we couldn't do. You know, the effects were never going to be Lord of the Rings style looking. But that's partly why. We, but the comedy is kind of makes it work because we don't take the movies too seriously, like. You know, the characters don't take themselves too seriously. It's kind of lighthearted that you kind of forgive the fact that, like, the VFX and the the CGI isn't, like, completely perfect. It's not so jarring that it takes you out of it. Like, sometimes you'll watch a show on sci-fi and it, like, just totally takes you out of it because it's so bad. But... But it's... um, It's good enough, but you can tell it is an independent film. So that was kind of the biggest... Um, the hardship came afterwards. It was it was a dream when while we were shooting it, but afterwards that's where we hit the some big snags. some snags and certain things that we did wrong or we didn't track certain characters mm-hmm. right. We didn't have the tracking points set or we didn't have just certain things that yeah. you forget when you don't have like so many supervisors on set, like kind of being quality control and all. Yeah, that. absolutely. And then also. Because it was green screen, you had some of these challenges. Did you film pretty much chronologically, or did you still jump around? Yeah, scene we to scene? we we filmed chronologically because we could, but we also um, there was one part that we did at the end. So in the movie, there's a scene where it's a complete rainstorm, and we didn't want CGI rain. We wanted real rain because the way it CGI rain is expensive. And uh, it doesn't interact. It's hard to make it interact Correct. with the characters that well because they're not actually getting wet. So we wanted to really make it rain inside of the studio. <laughs> so in order to do that, we had to wait to the very end because we knew it was going to ruin our set, ruin our stage. So we did that. We just we just did it. We uh, the last two days we did all our rain stuff and. Um, <laughs> it was out of order, but it was really cool to do. And it was, for some reason, it was freezing. Like, I mean, it, it, there, it, there's a scene where I watch myself and I can see myself shivering. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to, like, not Shiver. show that I'm, like, so cold. <laughs> but uh, it, I think it, it turn, it's one of the funner scenes. It's when we're fighting the goblins. And uh, it's one of the funner scenes in the movie. And, uh, anyhow. Speaking of your shivering, uh, I was looking at the front cover of the movie, and you're pretty much shirtless, you know? Yeah, shirtless, kind of with some leather straps, He-Man style. Was there a specific workout you, routine you did to get ready for this? I did, actually. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did a lot of cardio, actually, <laughs> which I don't usually like to do. I don't like to be on a treadmill, ever. <laughs> get the six-pack popping. Yeah, but I, you know, I did it for that. And then I also, I, I did a little bit of, 
uh, CrossFit, which is pretty intense. You yeah. know, like, you know, the old saying, I don't know how old the saying is, but the saying of, you know, don't worry, don't worry, uh, you'll never, <laughs> you'll never not know. Sorry, I'm, I'm totally butchering this. It's something along the lines of, how do you know if your friends are doing CrossFit? Don't worry about it. They'll tell you. You know what I mean? Because, like, the people that do CrossFit, they're just all, they're obsessed. They never let you. They always talk about it. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, you know, I've heard so much about it from my friends that talk about it nonstop. (laughs) I need to get in super shape. So why not, like, so I signed up for, like, three weeks. And, well, the last, the last kind of three weeks right before, I was doing my own kind of cardio and workout. And then the last three weeks before, I... I hit that hard. I didn't want to be like, feel like I was roided out and like giant, but I just wanted to, the character kind of is a little bit of a pretty boy. And, um, he thinks he's stronger than he is. And <laughs> he's, um, I don't know. Like, it's funny cause he's definitely the most whiny in the movie. <laughs> my character. <laughs> He somehow comes across as still likable, even though he's, like, completely unlikable as a person. <laughs> he just, he he's the one that keeps kind of screwing things up because he's very selfish. He, he only cares about himself. He only cares about him and his elven princess being together. And so it kind of worked that he's, like... A little whiny. A little whiny. Yeah. And also that his body, like, the way that, you know, I got in shape was kind of, like, Try to just be kind of pretty boy muscles, not really yeah. like get the super yoked. You worked out the beach muscles, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, any fun stories from the set? Uh, you know, every day was a blast because so basically, kind of our model for Vampu and for Dudes and Dragons has been we have and even the um, orcs, orcs, orcs. We have. I, I, my background's in improv. I trained with the Groundlings, and I also trained with comedy sports. Oh, excellent! Um, so, my the actors I work with are basically it's basically my improv group, and then we add like a star like James Marsters, and we also had Luke Perry's actually in this movie he has a fun cameo. <laughs> I won't ruin what happens, but he has a fun cameo. And both Buffy alums, Luke yes, Perry from exactly. the movie. Yeah, a lot of that's that's interesting. That not a lot of people put that together. So, <laughs> kudos to you. Points to me. I'm, yeah, it, it's basically our improv group, and then like a guy like James Marsters. So, they're or Gary Cole. You know, so they're coming in on like all this history and all this like um, you know chemistry that we have with each other, and uh, so it's a lot of fun for them. So we're just joking and laughing and and like. It's all scripted, but after we get the scripted stuff done, you know, we'll let people do improv. So if you watch on the DVD, there's a ton of deleted, there's a ton of, ton of uh, outtakes. <laughs> and actually, there's not a lot of deleted scenes. We ended up using most of the, oh, that's awesome. Most of the scenes. There's, there's one deleted scene that's in there and then a bunch of kind of fun outtakes. Okay. So did, um, did any of the improv actually make it into Oh, yeah. yeah. A ton of it did. A ton yeah, of excellent. it did. But as far as crazy stuff happening on set, it usually was like just stunts gone wrong. I mean, oh. if you look in the blooper reel, it's they're really all in there. They're, they're like, there's a time where we had to basically we had to stick a sword in the ground, but it's a cement floor, so like <laughs> so how you sit. Yeah. So we we put like we covered like a big like squash. Um, okay. 
like a big yellow squash and I just had to stab my sword in it. And so like I stabbed my sword and then I have to pull it out at a certain point. And the whole thing came out. So it's just kind of like pretty Squ- hilarious to have. went flying. Exactly. <laughs> and then um, it was really fun. We had, One day we had a, a bunch of trampolines on the set because okay. because for the stunts. And we had we actually had the Utah Jazz. We shot it in Salt Lake City. And the Utah Jazz basketball team, they have like a stunt dunk team. And they came oh, okay. and they were all of our stunt uh, goblins. So they were bouncing around on these trampolines, flying, doing all these crazy flips, all in like full like cos like cosmetic VFX goblin, goblin yeah. um, special effects makeup. So that was pretty fun day to be on set, and, like <laughs> just see craziness. And that was during the rain, so um, you know we didn't have anything like too wild happen because the set was too so controlled. Oh, but sorry, one day before shooting. We were right next to a separate warehouse, that, well, a warehouse that was attached to ours. We're, we're, we're getting ready. We're doing some tests. All of a sudden, there's black smoke just billowing into our oh, no. stage. And we didn't know where it came from. We thought we'd lit it on fire. But <laughs> we go back and we look. And apparently, the um, the whatever studio next door, whatever kind of factory thing they had, they had a fire in their in their warehouse and the smoke came up and kind of billowed into our area and we thought our whole place was going to like burn to the ground but luckily luckily it um they got the fire out without too much trouble and it it did kind of like mess up some of our paint job on the green screen so we had to do repaint it and our insurance ended up paying for that but that's nice that's good of them yeah, so, but that was pretty scary, like, to be a director and to be, like, all this, ready to go, and you see this, your, your stage clock. going up in, in smoke. smoke, you're like, oh, anyway. that must have been so scary. So scary. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about you a little bit. Okay. We got, you're here at Comic-Con. Yeah. What are some of your favorite fandoms or superheroes? You know, I, I think I'm probably a sucker for the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. Um, really the original, like episode four, five, and six just have a special place in my heart. I enjoyed, uh, episode seven, but I, I didn't enjoy it as much as some people. I, I I was a little disappointed, honestly. I, I, I don't want to like, I I felt like, I don't know. I felt like it was almost like sack people thought when it came out, like no one was saying anything bad about it and I didn't really like it that much okay i mean i i enjoyed some of the i I enjoyed moments i enjoyed nostalgia i didn't i i think adam drivers is an amazing actor i love him to death as an actor i think he's miscast as kylo ren because he seems a little bit more krylo ren yeah (laughs) yeah i like that well it's not only that it's just here's the deal i feel like star wars what was so cool about the original star wars is that they they plucked these people out of obscurity and made them stars. Yes. So I liked that Ray is an is, is no, a unknown. No name. I no. liked that. Um, what's the other guy's name? With the character name, Poe Dameron um, or Finn? Finn. I liked that Finn was like a no name. Now, yes, Alec Guinness was like people knew him, and I guess James Earl Jones, but you never saw his face. Right, yeah. So. 
it felt like most everybody was kind of like they made them and they made Harrison Ford into who he yeah. was. So like, why do you need to go to Adam Driver, who's like a known face? He's been in a ton of movies. He's known from HBO Girls. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like they should have gone with an unknown. With an unknown, because yeah. the problem is, is that I obviously actors do a million roles, but you put so much kind of like baggage. Baggage comes with different roles. So I, oh, I yeah. see him. It was hard for me to really buy him as Kylo Ren because I know him from Girls and I know him from other stuff. And I know that's kind of like a weird criticism because it's like, well, they're an actor. You're, I'm an actor. I do a bunch of different roles. But with something so iconic as Star Wars, why not get a fresh fresh face? Fresh face and also just like somebody who you, they didn't need to get star power so people would go buy tickets. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter who it was. Just give somebody else a chance to, like, do something amazing. I don't oh, yeah. know. You, you, I mean, you put the Star Wars name on something and it's going to yeah. sell. Yeah. Like, hands down. I, I totally get your criticism um, about, A, Adam Driver, and B, just how you felt about the movie as a whole. I was similar. I was yeah. never a huge Star Wars guy. Yeah. But... I respect what it did for movies, and I do think the yeah. uh, four, five, and six are entertaining. Yeah, I thought Force Awakens was entertaining. I thought it was a decent mix of nostalgia. Yeah, to to get people who loved Episode Four because it was very similar to Episode yeah. Four. Well, I, I sent out a tweet after I saw. It. I said. I just saw episode seven. I liked it better when it was called Return of the Jedi. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's because it's, 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 it's an exact, it's like Star Wars A New Hope mixed with Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And, like, anyway. And can we, can we, no more Death Stars. Yeah. No more Death Stars. Exactly. They're, they need to like, they, wouldn't they come up with a better plan if they keep getting blown up to not. Yeah. It was well, just see, like a bigger, and, and oh, the worst for me was the giant. Andy Serkis is, you know, he, Andy Serkis is amazing. It wasn't anything to do with him, but why did they project it like giant, huge, like crazy? Like, yeah. what, what was the point of that? That was so not Star Warsy. It was like all of a sudden, I don't know. It just felt like a different movie. Okay, and 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 also another amazing actor that I felt like is a uh, uh, Domhnall Gleeson who plays like the evil. Like uh, Imperial, um, I forget the character. Oh yeah, name. what's? I know who you're talking about, and everyone on the, everyone listening to this right now is screaming his character name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anyway, so his character was like so like twisting his mustache, like I'm evil, like, <laughs> but like, it just was not, you know, like it wasn't like a. No, I hear you. James Marsters taught me something about villains, about great villains. It's basically that villains don't know that they're villains. Villains think that they're doing right. They think they're the good guy. They think they're the good guy. They think that at least whatever they're doing it is the the proper thing that should be happening. And there's, you know... But he was just, like, just evil for evil's sake. And, like, yeah. it just was... And I know it was... I think it had to do with the writing because just the character I don't know was... It didn't seem that fleshed out. And you just want... To really you. want that character to be a little bit, I don't know, just a little bit so, more have faith in himself. Yeah, and just not so kind of caricature and just like. Anyway, so th that 
the derivativeness I was annoyed with. Um, I feel like some of the chemistry between Finn and Ray was a little forced. Okay. I hear you. No, I'm like, what? like when they're, and, and even between, uh, Finn and, um, what's Pope? It's Poe, right? Yeah. Pope like when Ray. they first like meet each other and they're like already like, oh, see, I, I thought that chemistry was great. I thought yeah, it was great. Yeah, I... But I'm also I'm also coming from a fan's point of view. I've never been behind the camera. I've never acted in anything yeah. outside of high school. <laughs> but I, I'm actually quite interested to see a Star Wars movie where the stakes are not the destruction of a planet. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. And I, I was actually bringing this up to a couple friends of mine. I was I was kind of over superhero movies yeah. where the world is at stake. Someone yeah. wants to destroy the world, which is why I love... How many times are we going to destroy New York City? Or, yeah. You know. So I loved Ant-Man. Yeah. Ant-Man, the big climactic fight is in a little girl's bedroom. Yeah. And it's great. And then Civil War. Like, yeah, yeah they destroyed an airport, but it was friendships that were at stake. Yeah. And not the entire world. And mm-hmm. so I would love to see a Star Wars where that's that's the plot. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. It's, uh, it'd be, it'd be, because it, it's always been like, oh, what planet's going down now, you know? But yeah, so going back to the original question, like, out of all the Comic-Con, like, fandom stuff, like, Star Wars to me kind of, it still bubbles to the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um... I, I was a big Star Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. From in like my uh, middle school to teenage years. But um definitely I'm probably first in, but and then also Lord of the Rings. I Lord <laughs> of the works Rings in everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. I'm Game of Thrones to me is just such great television and such great storytelling. Okay, you you were the second person I've interviewed today that's brought up Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and obviously it's huge. Are you caught up? I am one episode from being caught up. Okay, am, so you've seen, I've seen I've everything up until episode six um, of this season. Okay. So yeah, but I'm I'm sure in your in the industry you have been spoiled. I I, no? I have not allowed myself to be spoiled okay. in this, but I do have to tell an amazing spoil story. Just because you brought it up. Yeah. So, my wife is notorious for accidentally spoiling things. She doesn't mean to, but she'll spoil. <laughs> like, if I have a, if I have a, um, I may be outing myself on a, on a, um, Dumbbells and Dragons podcast that I, I like, I, I'm into watching, like, sports and, Dude, you know, I, um, it, I'm missing <laughs> the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, um, we're so, huge sports fans. I get, I this, get made fun of sometimes for liking sports and yeah. also liking, you know, the con world. Well, but first, anyway. That, that's what we do. Dumbbells is the jock side. Okay. You know, the dragons is I the nerd it. side. I so like we're, that. you know. Well, then I need, I need that's to. That's the epitome of what we're doing. I love it. Well, that, <laughs> I fit in very well there. So anyways, she'll, she'll spoil a game for me. She'll see a score and she'll have to like say, well, at least watch to the end. And that like screws. Because then you know that. Something happens at the end, and anyway, but this was pretty epic. What she did to me. We're we're coming home from Europe. This is just barely. 
Now, granted, it's a little bit my fault that I have never seen The Usual Suspects. It's like a classic, classic heist movie. I mean, it's probably 20 years old now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Easy. at least. So it's kind of my, I feel like it's kind of your fault if you, <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> seen it. But the diff, here's, here's where, here's though where it's definitely her fault. I am on a plane. I am watching the movie. <laughs> There's 15 minutes left. She taps me on the... She wakes up from a little snooze. She taps me on the shoulder. Makes me... I pause the movie and I go, What's up, babe? And she goes, What are you watching? I go, Oh, The Usual Suspects. And she goes, Oh, yeah. And she says to me, His limp is fake, you know. And if I... Sorry, here's the thing. If I may have ruined it for people now, but like at least... It's been 20 years. So here's the deal. If that ruined it for you, it's your fault. But if you're watching it, if you're in the middle of watching it and the person just tells you his his limp is fake, you know, that is just rude. That is just like, I mean, that that reveal and then it, it totally ruined it because then they reveal and they make you think it's the other guy. And then and I just was like, oh, so anyhow, it, I was robbed of the experience. It's like, sorry, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Sixth Sense, don't listen to this. But Sixth Sense is also about 20 years old. So it's like somebody you're watching and somebody says, oh, you know he's dead, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you're in the just, middle of watching it. Yeah. And, and if you have avoided those spoilers for 20 years yeah. and then somebody ruins it in the last 10 minutes, exactly. that's horrible. So that's just... I like, she was, she felt horrible, but like not that horrible and so i want to anyway sh- i'm gonna that's a classic spoil mixing mixing uh our, our previous two conversations <laughs> spoilers and star wars so before force awakens came out i didn't know anything about it yeah but i was trying to get the hashtag han dies okay. trending oh, and so i just every post i put up about star wars was hashtag han dies thursday night i start getting messages from people on Facebook, and they're like, "You should really stop using that hashtag." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I felt, I kind of felt horrible, but then I was like, "You guys, you just spoiled it for me." Well, you could kind of see it coming too. Yeah. Like, here's the deal, and, and one thing in in Claire's, in my wife's defense, she she spoiled it for me, but I did have an inkling that Kevin Spacey it was him, just because if you watch enough movies, and if you're a writer, you're always like thinking that way yeah and, and nobody is off limits but yeah like and and you kind of thought well i mean how long are they going to keep on around they got to kill someone well, my whole know. thing was harrison ford already got injured on set yeah he's one of the oldest actors and if he died in real life with you're screwed you're screwed so i was like they're gonna kill him yeah no it wasn't a bad bet <laughs> that's not a bad bet. Wish I could have gotten that one in Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> Had to go early on that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you were a sports guy. What sports are you into? So I played football in high school, so football is probably, like, my most favorite sport to watch and play. Okay. But I'm also, um, I, uh, I've i been a big NBA fan for a, a long time. I, I'm a hopeless jazz fan. They lost... They lost, you know, 96, 97, 98 to the Bulls, and it just was, like, heartbreaking to me. But 
I've still been a fan of them forever, and I still. Awesome. I live in LA, and I it's I can't bring myself to like the Lakers because because <laughs> they beat the up Lakers. on the Jazz so many <laughs> years in a row. So, um, are you Rams? I, you know yeah. what? Here's the deal. I'm a Vikings fan. Uh, I okay. have this. I have this. Uh, this is my theory. For I, my theory on what sport team you like, it basically it's usually sealed from age seven to ten. Wherever you live from ages seven, seven to, to ten, 10 <laughs> that that football, baseball, basketball team will be with you forever. Okay. So I lived in Minnesota. During those ages, from like seven, eight, and nine, and and that's where I, I became a Twins fan because they won the World Series in '87. Okay, that I'm aging myself right now. <laughs> um, and then, and then I was a Twins and Vikings fan because that locked in at that age. Now, I didn't like the Timberwolves because they were not they're an expansion team and they weren't there yet. Okay, they came when I left. So by the time I left, I had moved to Utah. And so became the jazz fan. Became a jazz fan. So here's the deal: living in LA, I have to like kind of like at least one team. So I've tried to adopt the Dodgers. Okay. Just because they're they're National League, it's not really kind of that against the Twins, you know. So I'm like, I got to pick a team to at least root for. But it's just my heart's not in it. Like I like them, but my heart's not in it. And I probably will like the Rams, okay, but like. My heart's not going to be in it, you know. But I tell you what, it's hard not to like the Golden State Warriors. Oh God, hard not to like them, especially when they've got Steph Curry's kid, like Riley. Have you seen any of the videos with her? She's adorable. She's adorable. She's incredible. And Steph Curry just seems generally more likable, especially against LeBron. I liked him. I liked him when he was on Davidson in the NCAA tournament when like this. The tiny school that no one believed in, yeah. and he was just like leading them to, like they, I don't know, they get the final four, or the, maybe it was just the elite eight, but, but I was like, man, this kid is special, and I honestly, I I want this partly goes back to my <laughs> my uh, my love of the Jazz. So the Jazz got jacked by the Bulls two years in a row, yeah. obviously, and one of the years was. The year they set the record, I th- I'm pretty sure it's when they set the record and won the championship. Uh, and but so now that the now that the the Warriors have beat that regular season record that uh-huh. the Bulls had, so they've dethroned them. But I feel like I'm really cheering for them to win the final, Ooh. so that there's at least there's at least the argument that this year's Warriors was better than that year's Bulls team. Because everybody says that Bulls team was the best. Nobody will ever be better. But if the Warriors win it this year it's, and beat LeBron, I think I think you can I think you can argue that the team is better. It's, is better. It's hard to argue that any individual player any is individual better. Any individual player is better just because it's so apples to oranges. No, know? absolutely. And the, and the, the game has changed in the last yeah. twenty years. You know. I've taken up almost an hour of your time. Um, it, it, it's been on, fun. It went fast. Honestly, yeah, it just flew by. I was like, I looked down. I was like, what? It was like fifty-one minutes. It's like crazy. <laughs> but um, I think it's an amazing story. Like you're an entrepreneur. You produce your own movies. You write, direct, starred in Dudes and Dragons and two others. So, last couple questions: What gets you up in the morning? What drives you? 
to with this entrepreneurial spirit? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I I feel so incredibly lucky that I am one of the few people that actually gets to work in the field that they studied. So many people I know, or at least people that studied film that actually get to work in film. I mean, yeah. I'm sure, like, you know, if you're a dentist, you got to work <laughs> in the field that you studied. But so many people in the arts, they studied they studied film, they studied music, they studied whatever, but then they had to choose a different job. So the fact that I am able to make a living and like do what I'm loving doing. It's just, I feel so lucky and I'm just motivated by stories. I hear something that sparks my interest. It sparks, you know, I, I read a news article. I read, you know, um, something about the strength of human spirit or, or something that just makes me laugh. <laughs> and then I can just kind of build a character on that. Like just telling stories and being, being a part of, of, just creating something that other people get to that starts in my brain and then goes out to the world and other people get to see it. And like getting that tweet from somebody saying, I just saw vamp you for the first time. And Oh my gosh, it's my favorite movie. Or I just saw once I was a beehive and I cried my eyes out and helped me deal with the death of my father. Like, Oh wow. Like, yeah. you know, those things like that, that keeps me going. That keeps me like motivated to just like keep working because you know any any writer will tell you the the procrastination bug is is a bad one. Oh yeah and it on yourself employed yeah it's easy to just like say oh today i'm just gonna watch netflix and not like write <laughs> but uh you know it's uh yeah. it's it's research yeah so <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah. I, I think definitely the fans and just like being lucky enough to do what I love and get paid for it. That's awesome. What what advice do you have for people out there listening? If you are a filmmaker and you want to make films, don't wait for the right opportunity to come along. You just got to start doing it. You have iPhones. Every iPhone yeah. has a camera on it. I mean, it has slow motion. It has time. You know what I mean? Like these phones that we have are insane. You can edit. You just got to learn. You got to write, you got to mess up, you got to make bad stuff. Just just create stuff. Just do stuff and don't be afraid to put it out there. You know, every everything that you do that's bad will will make your next thing better cuz you'll learn from everything. So I just if you're serious about it, you just got to really work and you just got to really make stuff. That's really that's really the only secret to it all. There you go. And I think I think everyone needs to take that to heart if, you know, if you want to be a filmmaker, make film. <laughs> yeah, you know, simple, but it's. it's <laughs> but you know, people want to. Well, if I, as soon as I just take this class, or as soon as I just like do this one thing, you know, like just gotta do it. Just yeah. gotta like, and don't be afraid to fail because you're gonna fail. Like, is you're a filmmaker, you're gonna fail a thousand times. I can't tell you how many times I've been rejected from film festivals, from this, from that, from. Like, rejection doesn't even hurt anymore. Yeah. I expect to be rejected. Yeah. Because even now I get rejected. I'll write a script. I'll write a huge thing. And nobody wants to do it. Well, I've, I've always said, fail until it becomes a habit. Because yeah. then you won't be afraid of it anymore. Yeah. And 
like you're saying, every no brings you one more closer to the yes. Yeah. And you can get a thousand no's. All you need is one yes. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're as we're wrapping up, the screening is tomorrow night, Saturday, June fourth, eight thirty. Yes. Do you know the room? The room is West A one zero two. All right. Excellent. And, and if you go on the website for Phoenix Comic Con and you look under the programming events, the TV, television, and film, it'll be there as well. So if if I'm wrong, but it's it's West. As far as I know, it's West A one zero two. Okay. Or and, A or one zero two A. We have smart listeners. They'll figure yeah, it out. They'll figure it out. You and guys know the internet. For people not at Phoenix Comic Con, where can they purchase, download? Yeah, see Dudes and Dragons. Dudes and Dragons, you can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Amazon um, digitally and also the hard copy. You can buy it. Um, the, the disc is awesome. The, the DVD is great because there are some really great like behind the scenes uh, on it. There's some great bloopers, deleted scenes, the VFX <laughs> featurette. So, um, but those of you who are not into like collecting DVDs anymore... <laughs> Definitely get it on iTunes, get it on Amazon, get it on Google Play, and uh, please pay for it. Don't pirate it. It always it always hurts my heart when independent creators put a lot <laughs> of heart into what they got going on, and it's it's your money is not going to a huge studio. Yeah, it's going to your food. It's going <laughs> so we can make another one. Too, yeah, you know, like our yeah. So I mean, anyway. No, and absolutely. it's worth it. I always tell people, you know what? You can you can contact anybody these days. You can tweet at them, whatever. Like, you know, I tell people like, if you honestly watch it and you honestly tell me you pay for it and you you hated it, I'm like, I'll Venmo you back. I'll give yeah. you the, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, well, speaking anyway, of, speaking of social media, where can people uh, either find out more about the movie or uh, contact you? Yeah, tweet so a, Twitter. I, my handle is at McLean Nelson, and that's M-A-C-L-A-I-N Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. Um, that's my Twitter and Instagram uh, handle. And then my Facebook is just my name, McLean Nelson, M-A-C-L-A-I-N, N-E-L-S-O-N. I have to go. spell it numerous times because people <laughs> will definitely get it wrong. So it, it, It's it's the first time I've ever met a first name McLean. Yeah. Hey, I yeah. honestly, I've never met somebody... That I've met other McLeans, but they've always been younger than me, so I always okay. say I'm first. What year were you born? 80? 80. When did Die Hard come out? Gosh, 84, 85. Okay, so, so I was going to say, is that yeah, why? No, did your no, parents I was not like, named after <laughs> John McLean. But I, I'll tell you, 90% of the time when I meet someone, the first thing they say is like, John Die Hard. You know? <laughs> that's, so that's it's awesome. very pervasive film. Hopefully I'll make one that... One is day it, that is that pervasive in the, the zeitgeist. They, you keep making it, we'll keep yeah. watching it. All right, everyone out there listening, hope you enjoyed this. Work out, nerd out. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.